0: this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org this recording is by mark smith of simpsonville south carolina the swiss family robinson by johann david wiss chapter 10 after dinner as i found we could not ascend at present I suspended our hammocks under the arched roots of our tree and, covering the whole with sailcloth, we had a shelter from the dew and the insects. While my wife was employed making harness for the cow and ass, I went with my sons to the shore to look for wood fit for our use next day. We saw a great quantity of wreck, but none fit for our purpose, till Ernest met with a heap of bamboo canes half buried in sand and mud. These were exactly what I wanted. I DREW THEM OUT OF THE SAND, STRIPPED THEM OF THEIR LEAVES, AND CUT THEM IN PIECES OF ABOUT FOUR OR FIVE FEET LONG, AND MY SONS EACH MADE UP A BUNDLE TO CARRY HOME. I THEN SET OUT TO MAKE SOME SLENDER STALKS TO MAKE ARROWS, WHICH I SHOULD NEED IN MY PROJECT. WE WENT TOWARDS A THICK GROVE, WHICH APPEARED LIKELY TO CONTAIN SOMETHING FOR MY PURPOSE. WE WERE VERY CAUTIOUS, FOR FEAR OF REPTILES OR OTHER DANGEROUS ANIMALS, ALLOWING FLORA TO precede US. When we got near, she darted furiously among the bushes, and out flew a troop of beautiful flamingos, and soared into the air. Fritz always ready fired at them. Two fell, one quite dead, the other slightly wounded in the wing, made use of its long legs so well that it would have escaped if Flora had not seized it and held it till I came up to take possession. The joy of Fritz was extreme, to have this beautiful creature alive. He thought at once of curing its wound, and domesticating it with our own poultry. "'What splendid plumage!' said Ernest. "'And you see he is web-footed, like the goose, and has long legs like the stork. Thus he can run as fast on land as he can swim in the water.' "'Yes,' said I, and flies quickly in the air. These birds are remarkable for the power and strength of their wings. Few birds have so many advantages.' MY BOYS OCCUPIED THEMSELVES IN BINDING THEIR CAPTIVE AND DRESSING HIS WOUND, WHILE I SOUGHT SOME OF THE CANES WHICH HAD DONE FLOWERING TO CUT OFF THE HARD ENDS TO POINT MY ARROWS. THESE ARE USED BY THE SAVAGES OF THE ANTILLES. I THEN SELECTED THE HIGHEST CANES I COULD MEET WITH, TO ASSIST ME IN MEASURING, BY A GEOMETRICAL PROCESS, THE HEIGHT OF THE TREE. ERNEST TOOK THE CANES, I HAD THE WOUNDED FLAMINGO, AND FRITZ CARRIED HIS OWN GAME. Very loud were the cries of joy and astonishment at our approach. The boys all hoped the flamingo might be tamed, of which I felt no doubt, but my wife was uneasy, lest it should require more food than she could spare. However, I assured her our new guest would need no attention, as he would provide for himself at the riverside, feeding on small fishes, worms, and insects. His wounds I dressed, and found they would soon be healed." I then tied him to a stake near the river, by a cord long enough to allow him to fish at his pleasure, and in fact in a few days he learned to know us, and was quite domesticated. Meantime, my boys had been trying to measure the tree with the long canes I had brought, and came laughing to report to me that I ought to have got them ten times as long to reach even the lowest branches. "'There is a simpler mode than that,' said I." which geometry teaches us, and by which the highest mountains can be measured. I then showed the method of measuring heights by triangles and imaginary lines, using canes of different lengths and chords instead of mathematical instruments. My result was thirty feet to the lowest branches. This experiment filled the boys with wonder, and desired to become acquainted with this useful exact science, which, happily, I was able to teach them fully. I now ordered Fritz to measure our strong cord, and the little ones to collect all the small string, and wind it. I then took a strong bamboo, and made a bow of it, and some arrows of the slender canes, filling them with wet sand to give them weight, and feathering them from the dead flamingo. As soon as my work was completed, the boys crowded round me, all begging to try the bow and arrows. I begged them to be patient and asked my wife to supply me with a ball of thick, strong thread. The enchanted bag did not fail us. The very ball I wanted appeared at her summons. This, my little ones declared, must be magic, but I explained to them that prudence, foresight, and presence of mind in danger, such as their good mother had displayed, produced more miracles than magic. I then tied the end of the ball of thread to one of my arrows, fixed it in my bow, and sent it directly over one of the thickest of the lower branches of the tree, and, falling to the ground, it drew the thread after it. Charmed with this result, I hastened to complete my ladder. Fritz had measured our ropes, and found two of forty feet each, exactly what I wanted. These I stretched on the ground at about one foot distance from each other. Fritz cut pieces of cane two feet long, which Ernest passed to me. I placed these in knots which I had made in the cords, at about a foot distance from each other, and Jack fastened each end with a long nail, to prevent it slipping. In a very short time our ladder was completed, and, tying it to the end of the cord which went over the branch, we drew it up without difficulty. All the boys were anxious to ascend, but I chose Jack as the lightest and most active. Accordingly he ascended while his brothers and myself held the ladder firm by the end of the cord. Fritz followed him, conveying a bag with nails and hammer. They were soon perched on the branches, huzzaing to us. Fritz secured the ladder so firmly to the branch that I had no hesitation in ascending myself. I carried with me a large pulley fixed to the end of a rope, which I attached to a branch above us to enable us to raise the planks necessary to form the groundwork of our habitation. I smoothed the branches a little by aid of my axe, sending the boys down to be out of my way. After completing my day's work I descended by the light of the moon, and was alarmed to find that Fritz and Jack were not below, and still more so, when I heard their clear, sweet voices at the summit of the tree singing the evening hymn as if to sanctify our future abode. They had climbed the tree, instead of descending, and, filled with wonder and reverence at the sublime view below, had burst out into the hymn of thanksgiving to God. I could not scold my dear boys when they descended, but directed them to assemble the animals, and to collect wood to keep up fires during the night, in order to drive away any wild beasts that might be near. My wife then displayed her work, complete harness for her two beasts of burden, and in return I promised her we would establish ourselves next day in the tree. Supper was now ready. One piece of the porcupine was roasted by the fire, smelling deliciously. Another piece formed a rich soup. A cloth was spread on the turf, the ham, cheese, butter and biscuits were placed upon it. My wife first assembled the fowls, by throwing some grain to them, to accustom them to the place. We soon saw the pigeons fly to roost on the higher branches of the trees, while the fowls perched on the ladder, the beasts we tied to the roots close to us. Now that our cares were over, we sat down to a merry and excellent repast by moonlight. Then, after the prayers of the evening, I kindled our watch-fires, and we all lay down to rest in our hammocks. The boys were rather discontented and complained of their cramped position, longing for the freedom of their beds of moss. But I instructed them to lie, as sailors do, diagonally, and swinging the hammock, and told them that brave Swiss boys might sleep as the sailors of all nations were compelled to sleep. After some stifled sighs and groans, all sank to rest except myself, kept awake by anxiety for the safety of the rest." End of chapter